A listener note. The safety information discussed in this podcast are our views based on our personal firsthand experiences. Each safety situation presents unique risks, and the solutions discussed in this podcast should not take the place of thorough risk assessments or evaluations based on your specific circumstances. Thank you. Welcome to Safe, Efficient, Profitable, a Worker Safety Podcast, where we break down real problems from real situations and discuss realistic solutions. And here's your host, owner of Allen Safety LLC and CHMM, Joe Allen. This is Joe back for another great episode. We're on episode eight today. And we had a guest we brought on a few episodes ago, Jen. I thought she did a real good job and she gave me some different ideas and we talked about some different things in the episodes. And one of the things we said is, should we have another guest? And we said, sure. So we tried to find somebody else out there. And for episode eight, we're bringing on another guest. The guest today is going to be Brian. He lives in the state of Iowa, and he's actually dealt with some pretty large events in his career. And in response to that, he also has worked with different groups that have worked with events. So maybe been a technical expert or people say, hey, can you help me with this? He's helped him with through that event on different problems. And the main thing we're going to talk about today is the problems that no one talks about. If you go and you try to say, Let's have an instant command and instant management class. What's things we want to include in them? And there'll be four or five things everyone talks about. But really, no one talks about the one-offs, how it felt physically, how it was emotionally. You know, was there any chaos out there that you would never think of? That dad is not out there. So we thought to bring it to you all today, we'd have Brian on today. He's going to talk about some of his events and just talk about general things that you wouldn't think of. So, Brian, are you there today? Yes, sir. Now, Brian is remote. He is uh, in the field and on the road. And so we're pretty excited to have him with us. So tell me, tell me a little bit about when you had your first event. Was it was it scary? Was it normal? What, what did you feel when you started doing it? It was in the middle of the night. So, I mean, the very first event was very chaotic. As you know, because you've known me for years, I've had several throughout my career, and that's not something that you get a whole lot of practice at. For me, it's about getting through that first 15 minutes. If you can get through that first 15 minutes of slowing the clock down and find out what's really going on, because you're going to have lots of people giving you different information about what they think is going on. But then when you get to what the reality of the situation is, then you can start to work out down the problems. Yeah, so you basically show up, it's middle of the night, and you're half asleep, and you're like, what in is going on and now you got to try to put multiple pieces together on how you're going to manage it you know like evacuation you had to you had evacuations on some years in the middle of the night that's completely different than evacuating during the day absolutely and it was 22 degrees outside so where do we take them to cover where do we do with those folks to keep them safe do we let them go to their cars that particular instance we couldn't because a lot of them didn't have their keys in their pockets it was in the locker room so we had to find places to shelter that was warm but at the same time, keep them away from the event we were having. So I know that you had a pretty good relationship with the fire department overall, and you'd done a lot of stuff with them over the years. And we had a, an episodes a few back that talked about what fire departments can or can't do. And your particular one is a regional team and a local team. But your relationship with them was one of the things that helped you, wasn't it? How they, they helped support you during that event? 
Absolutely. They were actually there and set up first before we got our guys there in large force enough to make a team. And they were set up and ready to go. And they had identified uh, already that we supposedly, I'm using the word supposedly because we had supposedly had some personnel missing at the time. And they were already ready for me to arrive and make entry to find those people that we thought were missing. Now, come to find out later on, they weren't. Now, were you scared when you got there and saw the fire trucks there and people evacuating and it's the middle of the night? And you're like, what is this? Actually, I was not scared because my relationship with them was so tight that by that time that I was actually on the phone with them on the way to the plant. They had me pretty much prepped to arrive on the scene. Yeah, plant had done drills in the past uh, with the local fire department, and they had basically worked together on what their different roles would be. And as they did that, it was kind of interesting to see that night how it, it all took its course in the way we had talked about. It was pretty cool. It was, it was really cool. If, you know, that relationship just didn't happen overnight. What happened was fire chief, prior to the chief that we had that night, the relationship with the plant on an event had really crumbled and there was there some really hard feelings and, and it was it, that one particular event happened to be a fire and there got to be a lot of finger point going on between the firehouse and the plant about who did what. And about that time, the old safety manager for our facility left. I came in and the fire chief left and the new fire chief came in and we just both decided that we were not going to have that relationship. And we started working forward. And then 15 years later or so, when we had the big event that night, we were with Alan Safety's help and, and having you on the phone that night, having drilled with us for five or six years, having us do quarterly calls with the fire department, bringing them on site, doing all kinds of things that we did with those guys. It worked out very well for us. Because you never had an event that big in your career, and most people will maybe never have one. So when you pull up there and you see all this going on, what's the first thing that went through your mind? The first thing that went through my mind is that if we didn't find those people in the first two or three minutes, it was no longer going to be a rescue. It was going to be a recovery. And I, I just knew in my heart that with the amount of ammonia that was coming off the top of that building that night, we had a real problem unless we found those people rather rapidly. And just for everyone's clarification, in response to that, there was no people really hurt that bad. The reports they had, a lot of people were unaccounted for, wasn't really true. And you're going to get that. You're going to get mixed information the first few minutes from different views and different people. So that was pretty interesting. Now, they had some stuff go on before Brian got there. But once Brian got there, the fire department got there and the team got there, the event, almost like Brian said, kind of slowed down and they started managing every 15 minutes. And that lasted for a while. Yeah, it, the actual leak part of it, the initial call came in at 2.10 in, in the morning, and we didn't call the leak done until almost a quarter to eight that night. So so how did you manage that all day? Do you have like one IC managing all day? Do you switch out ICs? I mean, how, how are you going to do that then? Well, with that particular day, I just stayed all day. What we've trained in the past and now for future events is, yeah, we will switch out ICs, and they have a lot more ICs trained there now. And that's because you just got physically tired, wouldn't you? I would think so, emotionally and physically. I was physically and mentally war exhausted, yes. That's correct. That's why we used you and, and the fire chief. We used him and we used me and we used you and we used lots of phone calls and lots of interactions because as we were getting tired, we wanted to get more eyes on the problem. All right, so you have the event, you get through the event. 
And then you have the part where the leak is controlled, but now you have multiple days of trying to release the plant back to normal operations. Well, then we just set up crews. We set up crews and just made them like maintenance crews. There was 120 some odd hazmat responders in that facility. We basically set up crews and we rotated around the clock and we can't make sure that we had the APRs around us. We had to order more. We had to get suits flown in from Dallas and some from here in Minnesota. We were frying meters, so we had to bring those up from the CTI. Did a wonderful job that night. They sent a guy in a van. That's all he did for three days was sit in that cafeteria and build meters for us. And then we just had guys circling around with those meters, documenting what the parts per million was in all aspects, all areas of the plant, until we could get it down to where we get sanitation in to clean it up and go. The problem was the amount of ammonia that the hogs absorbed. They were off-gassing so bad that we had to stay in APRs for the until we got, got them out of there. So now you've got the whole thing done. And as you get it done, you've got close it out. You have your career. You now you're doing training for hazmat people all over the country. And now you get this weird world of someone walks up to you and says, Brian, I, you know, I can't believe you had that event, but I can't believe you had all these things go wrong. And even though those things may not have been wrong, is that something you're starting to feel more and more where the story has changed over the years? And now people are coming up to you and saying, all these things you could have never thought of that weren't real, and now you're having to address that as you go? Yeah, there is a thing. had a gentleman say that we had a person that was a fatality that night. That's not true. We're told that at one point in time, I was told that we had firefighters entering the building with hoses, and they were not paying any attention to what the plant had to say, and the fire chief took over. That's not true. It was said that the plant manager from the sister plant across the river came over and relieved me of my duties. Well, that would never happen. And um, so, yeah, there's been lots of stuff that the story has changed throughout time. And that's, and that's going to happen because everybody has a 360-foot view, but nobody was standing in that inner circle but me and the fire chief. So there was a lot of stories that came out of that event, but you got to relay to the regulatory agencies what the truth was. The most important person I had that night, looking back, a gentleman that was doing the scribing job for him, he did a fantastic job. And we were able to to print it all out, and it fell right into place with the timeline that you need to do. And, and it encompassed a critique for us. We knew what problems were. We knew how we fixed it and what time that happened. And so all of those things that have kind of come out, you can go back to those notes even 20 years later and say, no, that didn't go down that way. All right, Brian, so that makes perfect sense what you're saying. And, you know, I kind of look at a different lens, I guess, when you look at it that way. What was that night or that emotion or that process of how you coordinate and manage all of it? I mean, how, how were you able to pull all that off? I think, I think the biggest thing that happened is when we realized that we did not have anybody down in that room. The emotion of it then, the stress of the event kind of went away at that point. And then we were able to come together as a team and make team decisions on what valves and where we were going to turn valves and what suction lines we were going to leave on and that kind of thing. And, and then it became more of a chess match then against the plant itself after we realized that we didn't have anybody down in there. Okay, yeah. And you had no injuries or anything once you started the command process for all those days. That's correct. We did not have one injury after the emergency response plan started. I only had one person really got after me during the event. And the only reason he got after me was he was scared. So I just calmly 
sat the crew down and told them that night that we were not going in until everybody was comfortable with with the plan that we had in place. And if they were not comfortable with the plan we had in place, we were going to start over and come up with a new plan. And that team just, it came together and it just happened. And everybody told at the end of the the night, everybody told the ocean inspectors and everybody else that our first concern was the safety of the employees that were going in to save the plant. We would have let a lot more go out that night, but we had good solid plans together and the fire chief was in those meetings with us. The sheriff was actually in those meetings with us and we were coming to one big agreement before we did anything. So it was a team plan, not just mine. I tell them in, in any IC class that I do that there was a period of time that when one of the regulators asked me, he says, I want you to go down home tonight and I want you to write down everything that you thought you could have done better that night. And so I did. And I wrote down nine pages of stuff I thought I could have done different. And when the regulator presented that to the district OSHA inspector that was quote unquote trying the case, he looked at the OSHA inspector and says, no, that's not fair. And I kind of snapped my head around and he kind of snapped his head around and he says, what do you mean that's not fair? Because you got to take an account for the decisions that we're making at the time. You only have so much information. The information that I wrote down later on in those nine pages, I had a different set of information. I had all the information. When I made the decision, I didn't have all the information. And so what that guy was trying to tell me is it's you guys have known me for a long time. I equate everything back to football. It's easy to call plays. It's easy to find football plays that'll work after you know what the outcome is going to be of the play that you call. Because then you see the defense and you see all that. So it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. It's not so easy to be the quarterback that's in the game at the time. And so that's what the emotion of that. I don't, after he said that, I have not had any problem with people second guessing. And because I say to him very calmly, you aren't there. You have all the information now. You have information that I didn't have at the time that I made that decision. And then, so now you've got all the scribe logger writes all these notes out. How long is that stuff looked at? Three months, five months, up to a year? I mean, how, is, it, is it managed for a long time? Do agencies look at it for a long time? Or how, how does that work, that information? Well, I know that the company I was working for sold to a different company. And then I left that company and went to work for you. And that window would have been a three-year period, and they were still using those logger notes three years later. That's a long time. That's a long time. All right, so we're going to get wrapped up here. We appreciate Brian able to come on this and talk to us a little bit on our episode. Brian, thank you for your time. And for everybody out there listening, we appreciate you listening as always. Thank you. Each one, have a great day. Thank you for listening to Safe, Efficient, Profitable, a worker safety podcast. If you like what you heard here, please take a moment to write us a quick review, like, subscribe, and share our podcast so that others can find us. For questions or to request topics that you'd like to hear on our next show, please visit us at www.allen-safety.com. Thank you. Safety first, stay safe.